Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, thank you for joining me on Dream Job Ready. My name is Dane Sharp, I'm your host, and my guest for this episode is Michelle Battersby, who's fast becoming one of Australia's most inspiring and exciting young business leaders. Michelle's currently the Chief Marketing Officer for Keep It Cleaner, which is an online and global health, wellness and fitness company run by the very well-known Steph Claire Smith and her business partner, Laura Henshaw. Michelle's been in the role for about 12 months and before that was in a leadership position with online dating app Bumble for about three years, where she helped scale the company from startup in the Asian Pacific region. Please note that the opinions of guests are their own and not those of the companies they have worked for. Michelle, give me one word that describes your last 12 months, which is also your first 12 months at Keep It Cleaner. That is such a hard question. Oh, I mean, it's so not an exciting word, but the word actually is potential. Um, Like the reason why I wanted to join Keep It Cleaner was because I thought that there was so much potential in terms of where the business could go. I saw it as a real opportunity. And then so many things have happened in the last 12 months that have meant like every business has to pivot and you kind of have to find new areas to tap into. And it is about creating different opportunities for yourself. Um, So yeah, I just feel like potential kind of sums up what we've been trying to navigate. And that is creating potential and opportunity for a business as well. I love that word, potential. It's uh, it's exactly one of the key items needed to go and discover you know new jobs and new opportunities. Anyway, so let's bounce off that. I'm sure we'll probably come back to that a couple of times during the during the chat today. Um, keep it cleaner. Online health, fitness, wellness, uh, wellness. Should I say business? Um, obviously, some high profile uh, founders. Um, what's it like working with the likes of Steph and Laura and and, and coming into that business fresh? Yeah, it's been great. I think. One thing that I noticed when I started, I definitely felt in my role prior to Keep It Cleaner, um, I'd been building something from the ground up, I'd been hiring people on the fly and as as I went through it all, and it was really hard to transition from like team player and a player on the field to more like the coach that you kind of should be if you are a in a leadership position. So being able to come into a business fresh in a senior position, it was like giving myself the opportunity to restart and to come in more as a coach um, and to take a look at the business from a different perspective. And I feel so grateful to work for people like Steph and Laura that have really allowed me 
to do that and to come in and view it with different eyes and to make a lot of change. Um, and I respect that in them because I also know how hard it can be to be so invested in a business and to let someone, you know, come in and maybe take it, you know, in, in ways that you didn't know it could be taken or maybe that you didn't have the opportunity to take it yourself in the past. So that's been amazing and probably the biggest, um, one of the biggest benefits of working with Steph and Laura is that they are so, Keep It Cleaner is them and they're so willing to get involved and be accessible. And I'd never worked with leaders that were so accessible in the past. I've worked with amazing leaders, but I've also worked in offshore offices where you can't just tap them on the shoulder or get them to do something or involve them um, in such a hands-on way in a campaign that you're doing. So that's one thing I've absolutely loved about working with Steph and Laura. They're literally willing to do absolutely anything to grow the business and there's no barriers in terms of accessing them. That's very awesome. And, and has it come with some, some challenges as well? And by, and by that, I don't mean, you know, bad things necessarily, but things that you've had to maybe tweak your ways of doing or, or change your approach to something because the owners and the founders of the business are right there and still heavily invested. Definitely. And that was another reason why I wanted to get involved. I was concerned that I was quite young and becoming a bit of a rogue operator you know I didn't really have I didn't really have anyone watching me I was really trusted um, in my prior role which was incredible because it allowed me to work out what my passions were and what I was good at so it basically unlocked the potential within myself but then I didn't really have anyone giving me feedback along the way or like I, I felt like I was becoming unsure of what I was even good at because I wasn't receiving feedback as often as I'd like to and even if I did receive feedback I didn't really trust it because those people weren't seeing me every day um, so I really wanted to go into a business where I could be seen in more of a hands-on type way and get feedback that would be really meaningful um, and that I would know is reflective of the way I operate. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to have founders closer to me so I could learn more about, you know, managing that kind of relationship because it is um, a very unique situation. Um, and you definitely, I, I definitely am having to learn a lot of um, interpersonal skills and I'm really grateful to be able to learn those. Um, but it's definitely a change for me because I'm very used to just coming up with an idea and just going all out and never really having to justify how I came up with that or how I then did that. Um, and that's what I was actually getting concerned about. Like you need to be able to answer those kinds of questions. Um, you need to be challenged in your own decision making. Um, and it can be hard to find that if you are already leading a team. So that's what I'm enjoying about this. That definitely does come with challenges, but like I opened myself up to those challenges and I, I wanted those challenges. And, and I, I would say, you know, my, my opinion there was pro it's probably reinstilled some confidence as well with some of those decision-making opportunities you've had. Uh, and I really, I really appreciate that advice. I think it's, I think it's great. You know, I think the, getting performance feedback and performance advice uh, is so crucial. And I think everybody has moments where they kind of probably look around and go, am I even doing the right thing or doing a good job here? So that's, that's very critical. 
No, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, in the in probably the first six months when I really came in and kind of grabbed the bulls by the horn and started to make all these really quick changes to build the foundations up, that actually instilled a lot of confidence in me because, as I was saying, I, I left Bumble wondering, did I do all that, you know? <laughs> was that actually me or was that timing or was that luck or what was that? And so to then come in to keep it cleaner and do all these things really quickly and see all these immediate results and have Steph and Laura really appreciate them, I felt like I did get this confidence and I had all these moments where they were really aha moments and I thought, whoa, you actually are really good at doing that and you didn't really know that that's what your skill set was. Yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to talking about Bumble in a minute and we'll get there. And as I mentioned in the intro, um, you you had a couple of roles there, uh, big roles and a huge opportunity. So I'm really looking forward to kind of that whole hearing hearing about that whole experience. It's a very unique one. Before we ask about that and, and why you left that opportunity, how did you get your job with Keep It Cleaner? So it did stem from Bumble. You know, I had the opportunities there to meet some really incredible businesswomen. And I always had this thought in the back of my mind that your next role will come from some of the people that you're meeting along the way. So it was quite a process. It was actually July 2019. Laura and Steph tapped me on the shoulder. I'd met them um, through my time at Bumble and they told me that they were thinking about expanding Keep It Cleaner internationally. They were really looking to grow the business and they were going to be hiring for a CMO role. And When I first started at Bumble, I remember thinking, you know, what tech startups are founded in Australia? Like, this is a really unique opportunity. And then three years down the track, you've got a company like Keep It Cleaner that's women-led tech based in Melbourne. Everything I was really looking for, really good purpose, um, something that is really relatable for a lot of people. And I just felt like it was the most logical next step. And I really wanted to be based in an HQ environment and get all of, you know, that exposure we've just discussed in terms of challenge, you know, challenging myself a little bit further. So it just felt right. But um, I then ended up working out. I cared so much about Bumble. You know, I didn't want to leave it quickly. I had a few things I really wanted to wrap up there. So Steph, Laura and I discussed at length what my transition would be. And I ended up working for five, working out a five month notice period at Bumble, just ticking a few more things off and then transi- transitioning as smoothly as possible into kick. Look, look. despite Keep It Cleaner being, you know, such a kind of, a, I guess, an amazing opportunity to come for you and, and to all those points you just went through there, you know, it sounds like boom, 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 this is my next dream job. That being said, it must have been a hard decision to leave, um, you know, a, a very intriguing and, and interesting opportunity that you had at Bumble with that business and, and potentially where that business will go. Yeah, it was not an easy decision at all. I compare it to breaking up with someone whilst you're still in love with them. <laughs> Poor Bumble's how- over there in the corner still crying, but, but you've moved on. Yeah, yeah you know, it's... um. It's not that there wasn't, there wasn't anything wrong, you know, it was, it was an incredible, incredible experience, but I am a very ambitious person. And for me, just doing what I'd done at Bumble, like that wasn't going to be enough for me. Um, I'd already started thinking about what comes next. 
and I'd started thinking about where does someone like me go, you know, after being offered that kind of an opportunity and growing this thing from never having heard of it to there's 3 million Australians on it. I, I kind of always take it back to, and I think about this a lot with people just in general, like what is their end goal and what are their intentions, you know, and why are they doing what they're doing? And for me with Bumble, the opportunity had always been presented to me as I, I want you to make this something everyone in Australia knows. So that, it, it obviously became so much more than that, but that was the goal. Everyone in Australia knows Bumble. So in, that was my, you know, Northern Star and what I was aiming for the whole time. And once we had 3 million people on it and there were 70 million people on it globally, I'd, I'd done that, you know? I'd actually achieved the goal and I'd worked out what the ingredients were and what the method was to keep that awareness going and to keep educating the Australian public. And I felt like I could keep doing that over and over and over, but I wouldn't really be learning anything new. And I also learned that I'm really obsessed with the initial growth phase. I get a lot of joy out of that. I get, it's so rewarding to do something and to see the initial spike. And I probably worked that out in my first year at Bumble, just the basic thought of, wow, I really like launching things. I feel like I know how to launch something and I know how to make something that's actually this big look this big and make people feel like, oh, I've never heard of that. I don't have that. I must be missing something. Um, and so it was, I, I felt like I'd ticked the box and I think it's very easy to walk away from something when you know you achieved what you set out to achieve, you know, like I can, I could close that chapter and it's, you know, it was like my big break kind of thing. And I'll always be able to say I did that. And now I can try and see if I can do that again. That's, that's really cool. And I, you know, that I really relate to, um, you know, most of nearly all of what you said there, especially around kind of that, excitement um and real passion around the launch and the creation and development of something and, and it's interesting i look at you know you were at bumble for three years a couple of different job titles uh, to, to your credit you know first person hired as country lead that's that's a big opportunity straight away but also big uh requirements on workload and everything else i'm sure uh you know then went through and ended up as the director of apac marketing and, and taking on a few other regions so huge roles now, I'd love to ask you in a second about, you know, behind the scenes, I'm sure it was a hell of a lot of work. You know, it's a startup mentality, even though it's a huge title and a huge brand globally, you're still working hard. I relate it to sort of some of my past experiences, which we were around the three-year mark as well. And I've had this chat with a few people. You know, I spent three years with, three and a bit with Under Armour, kind of launching them in Australia, three years at Maccas. And, and really, it was the first year and a half that kind of excited me. That's when we were launching things and creating it. Then it sort of got like I was good at it for probably six to 12 months. And then I kind of faded and sort of thought, oh, it's not as glossy and as exciting as those first months and, and, and year was. Um, you know, for you, compare the first couple of months, if you can, where you were the first person with like, wow, blank paper, let's go, um, to where you got to and what the team size was and what the workload for you was. Yeah, I think, you know, I hate social media sometimes because if you just were to look at my social media, you'd probably think, oh, that looks fun. And you know, like she gets to go to all these places and do these things. But 
I, it is so hard. You know, a startup is aggressive growth and do it as quick as you can over and over and over. And you have big growth one month, cool. Go grow that much again the next month. You don't hit your targets, why? Why'd you do that? Why haven't you hit these goals? Why'd you spend that much money and only be able to get this kind of return? You know, you've got to be really, um, I think you've got to have thick skin. You've got to be really good at dealing with change. You've got to be really confident in why you're doing certain things. I mean, when I started at Bumble, I was actually the seventh person hired globally, like the sixth or seventh. So I was really early, early on. Uh, And no one had, none of my friends had heard of Bumble. And I was actually ignoring, like I was avoiding Whitney's calls. I wasn't actually that interested in it. Um, And that's kind of the stage that it was in. And then I had this opportunity to speak to Whitney, the founder, and I just had this overwhelming sensation that this was going to, literally changed my life. So that's why I did it. But by the time I ended after those three years, there were 150 employees. So I'd seen it go from six or seven to 150 globally. My team in Australia had always stayed quite small. I think the biggest we'd ever got it to was seven. But as I was speaking about earlier, you know, the excitement and growth and the launch phase, There's so much magic and excitement in that in a startup. You know, you really do drink the Kool-Aid and you are a family and it's very, very cult-like and you've got to live and breathe it because it is demanded of you to, it requires your whole self. And so I think the reason, like what makes it easier to throw your whole self into it is you kind of let these other channels of your life go, to be honest, you know, you're not really seeing all your friends anymore because you're traveling so much and doing so many things. You know, you've got to have a partner that understands that your priority at this time is actually your job, but then you pick up the things that you might be letting go of, like your friendships and close relationships with people within your team because you're all going through it at the same time and that's what makes it really well worthwhile and that's what you know really amplifies all the magic as well so then to see that go to 150 people and there's 70 million people on the app you're also growing this thing because you want someone to buy it. (laughs) So you've got to, you have to, you all know that and you all know it's going to change and you all know that the people who are going to invest in the company are probably going to make it corporate. And then it comes down to who can see it go through that, who's willing to see it go through that transition and who likes that transition. And so I I could tell I wasn't really going to like that transition. So that's another reason why I was looking for another startup because I've already worked in big corporates and I'd already cracked my corporate shell (laughs) to go back into a startup where you have to forget about all the structure and all the regulations you've learnt and uh, go into this really dynamic, agile space where there's absolutely no red tape. So... It's definitely, it was definitely a lot of change that I saw Bumble go through in my time, but I think I was also aware of the fact that I wasn't going to like the corporate style because I've already had experience in that. And it's an amazing experience to have. I feel really fortunate that I started in big financial firms because I learned so much about professionalism and how to stand out as a, an entry-level employee and how those big, big companies operate. 
but uh, it's also not something that I want to return to, you know, just yet. <laughs> you, and, you, and you're well reserved from where you started from, if I can throw that to you. Um, University of Sydney, you did a couple of, you did a Bachelor of Arts degree and then a Master's. Yeah. Uh, and then you, your first few roles were quite interesting. Looks like you did, an, I'm just looking at your career history, uh, career, career experience on LinkedIn. Looks like you got an internship with Citigroup uh, yeah. while you're at uni, right? Yeah, so in my final semester of my master's degree, I did an internship at City, um, which was amazing. And that foot in, foot in the door type role. And then I would have stayed at City if I had the chance. There were a few recruitment jobs going at that time and I just wasn't ready for them, like did not get those roles, applied for them, but was too probably fresh. So I saw an HR advisor role at UBS, which was an incredible company to work for. I actually loved UBS. And so I went there as an advisor, but then uh, there was a lot of organisational change at UBS and I was lucky to kind of make it through that change. And I got a junior HR generalist role and I felt like that was someone really taking a chance on me, you know, keeping me around and putting me in this junior role. But City had then seen me get that junior generalist position and they ended up coming to me and asking if I'd come back for a generalist role at City. And I did love my time at City as well. I always wondered if I made the right choice about going back though. Um, but I feel like if I hadn't have gone back, I never would have ended up where I am today. So it was obviously the right move. Look, I mean, human resources management, uh, that's what you did your master's in and then straight into a varied HR roles, as you explained, what, first of all, what did you, what, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I always never know whether to answer this question, honestly, because what I genuinely wanted to be as a, like when I was a kid, I honestly believed I'd be an Olympian only because my dad was an Olympian and my mum was a world champion. So I was just surrounded by these amazing sports people and it seemed so attainable and I loved sport. So I just, I had full faith in the fact I was going to be an Olympian. I genuinely believed that was going to happen for me. And so, and I got into uni because I got extra, I, I wasn't, I honestly didn't do well in my HSC. I got extra marks for rowing achievements. And that's the only way I got into Sydney uni and I was put on a rowing scholarship. Uh, so it was all about sport for me when I was growing up. And then, you know, once I turned about, 21 and my you know as you get older your natural genetics start to wear off and you might be really good growing up because of your genetics but then it comes down to who's willing to put in the hours and who loves it and who's training the hardest and I didn't genuinely love rowing I just loved the feeling of winning so <laughs> that's not really enough <laughs> gotcha well so close though right okay so HR world got you initially instead of the Olympics yeah. Uh, it's a bummer for Australia on that side, but uh, but also good for any people that uh, I guess have come through your path and been able to you know be coached or uh, helped advised by your roles. Uh, and then finance, did why the finance um, companies? Did that just happen? You know, UBS, City, PwC as well. Yeah. So with the internship I did, it was really interesting. It was called the industry placement program. And you go through all those rounds, like you're going for a grad job, which are quite stressful, you know, a group interview, an individual task, like a writing assessment, 
all of those things. But with the industry placement program, once you made it through all the testing rounds, you were actually put with a company based on your personality and how they thought you would go. So you weren't actually applying for just one business. There was a range of businesses involved and then the uni would match you to the organisation they thought you'd be a good fit for. So that's how I got City. And I was surprised when I got City because I loved the idea of working for a big bank. I was never going to be an investment banker. So if I could get into a bank you know, working with people and in the, in the HR world, then that just seemed really enticing for me. And I didn't realise I was one of those people until I was in my master's degree. You know, the corporate world really wasn't, it, it didn't interest me. And that's why I did a master's degree to work out what I actually would enjoy. So I felt really lucky to get the internship and I was loving my time in HR. And I did like working for those big corporates, but it only took me about four years where I, I, I just started looking around thinking, all these people seem way more into this than I am. They seem to really care. And I just didn't, I didn't, I, I could do my role and I found it challenging and I loved certain aspects of it, but I didn't live and breathe it. And I just felt there's no way I'm going to be able to do this for the rest of my life. I'm, I, I remember having this inner feeling, just this voice that kept saying to me, you're, be- you're way better at, at something else than this. There is something out there that you're meant to be doing that you're not doing. I just had this feeling, yeah, that, that, I, that I hadn't found the right thing yet. And then it was as soon as I began acknowledging those inner thoughts and feelings that opportunities started coming to me. And I, I do hate giving this advice because it sounds really you know, woo-woo and not, it's not really theoretical or tangible, but I really do believe what you put out is what you get back. And as soon as you start looking for things and start talking to people honestly about what you're going through and the fact that you, you're looking for something else and you're not sure what it is and you're exploring other ideas, it doesn't matter if you speak to one person or 10 people, that one person or those 10 people could remember what you've said and come back to you at some point. And that's exactly what what happened for me. And I ended up being offered this Bumble opportunity, which may be once in a lifetime, but it was a friend that I'd spoken to and she remembered me saying I wasn't sure I was enjoying what I was doing. And the next time we spoke three months later, she came to me with an introduction to chat to Whitney. Wow. Okay, cool. Because I was going to ask how that email, phone call, face-to-face interaction for that first role came about, but it was through a connection of yours who had a connection with, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it was just a friend from, a friend from school, a girl in my year at school. Uh, her, she lived over in the US and her boyfriend in America, his mentor was Whitney. Right. Wow. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think what you said there about, you know, putting it out there, putting yourself out there, you know, being open to kind of that new opportunity and acknowledging that. I, I really agree with that. And we've had, I had some great advice in a previous episode uh, from Elizabeth Karasha, who, who was sort of stating kind of a similar thing is that if you actually get the opportunity to realise or, or sort of start thinking, hey, this is not exactly right for me, what I'm doing right now, 
you're going to have to start figuring out what to do next, right? And that may come super simple for some people or it may just come from, hey, I just need to talk this through with a few people and see what yeah. comes out. Um, and and we, we, did you did you approach it in any other way? Did you stand and write a list of things you liked or you didn't like? Did you did you start looking through job boards, or was it literally you just started acknowledging, okay, I need to change, and let's see what happens here? Yeah, it was really weird because when I started thinking all these thoughts, it was when I was about twenty four or twenty five, so I guess four four years ago, and blogs and Instagram and everything was just really building up then so I was thinking you know that looks fun maybe I could write a blog no idea what I was going to write a blog on the funny thing is now I'm working at keep it cleaner you know I've all, I was always really into getting active so I'd even written this really basic training program just started sending it to my friends even though I'm not a personal trainer but just the really random things like that but it but it did come down to just talking to people because I did have no have no clue but as I was talking to people, it was leading to lots of different things. You know, I'd get invited to an event here or a networking, you know, some sort of networking thing over here. Or I'd just get an introduction to someone that I could speak to. And I think that's the thing about trying to identify what you're passionate about. I really envy those people that they've just known their whole life that they want to be a journalist or they want to be a lawyer and they just go down that road and they just absolutely love it. Like I, I see that as being quite rare and I would have loved to have just always had that drive and just known that that's what I want to do and for that to all work out. But I also think that I'm probably going to have this realisation again. You know, I'm, I'm 29. In 10 years from now, I could realise, you know what, I actually hate marketing. This isn't for me. I think I'm actually better over here. And I think it's just about being open to that um, and not really comparing when the time you find your passion to someone else's time because even if someone's made it through to 40 or 50 they may have a realization then that they want to do something else and that's completely fine but I also hold the mentality you know don't ask don't get so there's you you have absolutely nothing to lose in talking to people or putting things out there you only have something to gain and I think when you've been to university or you've had a couple of roles or for me I feel like I can make I can take risks really confidently and I can try things really confidently because at the end of the day, I also have a master's degree in HR and I worked at a few banks. So if everything fell apart, I could probably go back to that if I wanted to. Yeah, hey, it's always good to have a backup plan. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, I think you're right. I, I, in the last episode, I, um, I interviewed Anna Lee from The Iconic uh, and we were just talking through the, you know, the, the premise of Dream Job. And, and I said to her, the reason the word ready is in the title of this podcast is I, I'm big on the, you just got to find yourself and be ready for whatever's next and if that's the same role if that's the same company but a different role if that's a completely different industry you know it's it all washes out and it's all good um yeah. as long as it makes you happy gives you a purpose drives the passion etc um exactly. what about your role right now 12 months in throw some fun stuff at us what what, what do you get to do because obviously you've been a little bit tweaked by covid like everyone has it's predominantly an online business but i know the girls do some stuff you know, out in the real world as well. But give it to us. What have you enjoyed doing? What's, what's some of the fun activity you've had to, to, the chance to do? The thing that I've been absolutely loving, to be honest, is working on the app. So last month, it's nearly been a month now, we relaunched the app and we kept that really under wraps. But we'd been working on it from earlier, earlier in the year. 
uh, we just kind of sat down and had to think about all the things that we could do differently and being able to get hands on and work through the process of how it's going to look, what the features are going to be, how we can get people more excited about the product. That was really unique and not something I've had the exposure to in the past. And that has kept the whole team really focused because we've been working from home since March now, which just seems crazy. But to be able to have this huge project ticking away in the back that you know is going to bring so many people, like add value to their lives, that's been amazing. I think one of the hardest things is I love events and activations. That's what I got to do so much of in the past. And when I started at Kick, I had all these ideas and these plans of what we were going to do. And we've obviously had to put them to bed for the time being, but I just can't wait. You know, I'm hoping early next year we'll be able to roll out some of these campaigns and that will really be about bringing the app to life and showing people you know, how, how much depth there is to the product and really helping people because that at the end of the day is the core objective of Keep It Cleaner to help people lead a healthier and more balanced lifestyle. And I think that's probably even more important now than it has been in the past. And it's always been incredibly important. But yeah, I think just even even re, like working on restructuring the team a little bit, you know, startups always go through this phase of realizing, oh, this is actually a really great idea. This is a viable business and how are we going to grow this and what foundations do we need and what people do we need? So there's a lot of early excitement type energy, uh, but currently it is a little bit within the constraints of COVID. <laughs> Everything is. Um, let, let me ask you about app creation though, because every, every second person's got an app idea and you know a lot of them are brilliant, but um, some people may never get started or get started and not know how to finish. Give me, if you can, now that you've had you know some, some experience with it, what's one thing that the listener who wants to or has started to create an app should do? What's one thing you should do when you want to make an app? And then also, if you can, put you on spot, what's one thing to put a big... Exxon, don't, you know, don't do this if you're, uh, if you're working on an app. Oh, well, I think with the app, like I, I always do bring it back to brand, you know, like if you're going to create anything and if an app is going to be that core product, why? Um, because I think for any great biz- business, there's usually a problem and then you're offering the solution. So you obviously want to make sure that the app is something people need and something that people are going to use. But the biggest thing with apps is then how often do they use it? So really you want to be offering a product that people keep coming back to every single day. So what are you offering them that they're going to ingrain into their day-to-day life? Because that's, you know, Bumble and that's also keep it cleaner. Um, So it's about, you definitely want to retain people and be driving people back to the product every day it's not just like you're selling someone a top and the job is done you know you need to you need to get them to keep coming back to you so I'd be thinking about what is it about your product that's going to achieve that and then did you say what not to do yeah what what, what shouldn't someone do well the really interesting thing about kick and something that I hadn't had exposure to in the past is if it's a paid product like Keep It Cleaner, you know, a subscription model, you need to be a bit more strategic about then how you do engage with customers. Because for example, at Bumble, you know, it was really easy for us to get our activity up by sending push notifications, but Bumble was also a free product. So it didn't really matter if you annoyed someone a lot 
with a push notification and also the sheer mass of people was already there. But with Keep It Cleaner, when you've got someone paying for a product, you really don't want to be in over engaging with them because if you annoy them and they leave, you just immediately lost money. So it's also about thinking about like knowing your audience and knowing what they're going to enjoy and what's going to keep them engaged, but in the right way and finding that balance. Customer experience is key. Yeah. Hey, we've got a really good listener question of the week uh, for this episode. Uh, it's coming from Julie and she asks, who or what has been the biggest influence on your career and why? Oh, it's so interesting because straight away Whitney popped into my head, but then so did my dad. So I think growing up with a parent that is really, you know, has, a, has achieved so much, but like my dad went to the Olympics, has an Olympic medal, but he was also really quite successful in his career after sport as well. Uh, and I've definitely always admired his accomplishments, but I've also been brought up, you know, being told you can achieve those too, you know, like the opportunities are endless for you and like you could do this and you could do that. And I, I think that my dad really inspires me to keep growing and to keep challenging myself. And he's probably like the main mentor in my life because he'll also tell me when I'm being unreasonable or I'm coming across as entitled or I'm greedy, you know? So I think it's really important to have someone that that keeps you in check and that is so honest with you and that you really respect. So for me, my dad is that, but in terms of from a leadership perspective, someone that I've, I, I just feel so fortunate to have watched Whitney grow and for her to have been the person, the first person who gave me, you know, that, that big opportunity because I learned so many lessons from her around trusting the people around you and just the way she led with such courage and just, you know, really so many people throw the word empowering others around but I genuinely can say she empowered every single person around, around her and just wanted absolutely everyone to have the best possible career they could. And she was basically there as a vehicle to help everyone in the company achieve that for themselves. That's awesome. And, and you're obviously talking here about Whitney Wolf, uh, CEO of Bumble and, and founder of Bumble originally, uh, as it says back in 2014. Uh, and I think, you know, that's really good to hear because I think with some of the amazing um you know female leadership that's coming up these days the world's the world's in a safe place with with some of the leaders that have come on board um so shout outs to whitney now obviously got to go back to your dad so james right i'm just looking yeah. up here olympic and former national champion rower so um thanks for your service james anyway taking us uh, to the olympics but um I'm so glad you said your dad. I mean, it's it's Father's Day uh, a couple of days ago. Um, we get, we released this episode on the 8th of September. So shout out to all of the dads for all their, <laughs> their help and work. But um, good on you for saying your dad's a big influence. I'm sure it's going to mean a lot to him as well. So um, much thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, congratulations on your career to date, but you're still young. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, everything that you bring to us, uh, to the market uh, from here on out. Thanks for your time on Dream Job Ready. Thank you so much. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.